It's Sunday brunch. We hanging in the child line with a Louisville legend. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a grandfather. He's my friend. Corny Corn, Cornell Brad. What's up, buddy? Yo? Oh, you know what it is. What's going on, Corn? It's going pretty good. What's this? Fifty-three. Uh, yes, sir. Fifty-third year of the Dirt Bowl. So I got Ben Watkins and Janice Carlin. Mm -hmm. And uh, first started in uh, Algonquin Port. Then they moved to um, '69. Started at Algonquin. Then moved to Shawnee Park in '71, and been in Shawnee Park ever since. I've been um, with the Dirt Bowl since 1979 as a staff member. I played in the Dirt Bowl from like '73 to '78. Uh, Average about eight eight points a game. <laughs> now I know you. What you laughing at? Come on, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. Just listen. I ain't, got, I ain't got a lot to tell nobody about. Um, but uh, what happened, uh, I became a staff member. Uh, Fred Gatewood was hosting the Dirt Bowl. He was the um, commissioner. And uh, he had a um, person that was on the mic. He didn't show up. And so I refereed a couple of games. And then he asked me, would I get up there? And I did it. And I've been on the mic ever since. So you was playing. Mm -hmm. And then you went to refereeing. So somebody didn't show up and you got on the mic. You got on the mic. I've been on the mic ever since. You know, um... And back in the early Dirt Bowl days, uh, Dirt Bowl was a, a double elimination tournament. Okay. It's not played in a format like it's played in now. Uh, when you lose the first game, man, and you go ahead to play out that loser's bracket, oh, man, believe me, it was tough. Mm-hmm. Because nobody wants to lose. Right. And you uh, be arguing over calls and everything else, man, trying to stay in. But it is what it is, man. You got to go. So what changed the format? It changed the format in um, 1980, I think 1987. 1986, 1985 and 86, uh, Cedric Jones started the Developmental Basketball League. The game were played at African indoors. Okay. And um, what happened is that it created the best basketball players stopped playing outdoors and went for playing indoors. Started complaining about the concrete hurting the knees and all that stuff. And it was a, a good basketball league because it attracted all the talent. At the same time, it was sanctioned for college basketball players to play there. Right. So it was a good exposure for talent in the dirt bowl that was good to go play in that league. Mm -hmm. And so teams from the dirt bowl dropped off. So it was uh, in 87 that they decided that they would try the uh, team format. And um, in that format, it was like uh, five or six games, you know, and team loved it because he got to play more than two games, you know, two or three games before they were gone. Right, right. Uh, but the bottom line is that the price of the team was like $75. And then when you go from like paying 35 to $40 to $75, it was a big difference. Right. And at the time, it was hard to get teams to play. Because of the price? Because, or? because of the price. Um, 1988, um, we had just 16 teams, and that was a low, and most everybody that was working there that year quit. 
And so I finished the dirt bowl out. And then, hold on, Paul, not to cut you off, but at the height, you said 16. What's the most teams you've seen in it, like at the dirt bowl? Oh, height? man, at the... Uh, when we were playing double elimination, Mitchell Parks always had um, a junior high school division, and they were from recreation teams would come in there, like on Beach Terrace, Park Hill, mm-hmm. Southwood and Collar Homes, different areas of the city. You know what I'm saying? They would put uh, those kind of teams in a junior high school and high school team. Then you had what was called an open division, and that was for talent of uh, players 18 and older. Mm-hmm. Then you had a Super Bowl division, and that basically created your college basketball players and also very talented basketball players playing there. Right. Uh, it was only the seven to that rule coming up was uh, Drew Griffin and Bobby Turner. Without question, those were two talented young men. And uh, when they played Dirt Bowl in the 70s, trust me, it was sold out, especially for Bobby Turner and Daryl Griffith. Right. And the thing about Daryl Griffith that I always remember was just the way he could get up in the air and dunk. Mm-hmm. Daryl Griffith was very special then. But I, it's hard for me to talk about Daryl Griffith, and I can't, I gotta help pick up and throw Bobby Turner's name in there with him. But Bobby was also a very talented ball player then also. Now, most people, they know who Griffith is. You know, could you talk a little bit about Bobby Turner? Well, if you look at Bobby, Bobby was a workhorse. Uh, Bobby Turner would go and grab the rebound. Uh, Bobby Turner was sort of like a bully too, you know, mm-hmm. push, shove, do whatever he had to do to win. But Bobby was very, very talented. Mm-hmm. I ain't saying he could beat me, <laughs> but he, he right, was talented. Right. right. What, what do you think, if that was the height, what do you think? Like, how did he get away from that? Like, to where I know when I was coming up, everybody wanted to play in the Dirt Bowl. Mm-hmm. Dirt Bowl was a summer event. People couldn't wait for that summer. And, you know, kept a lot of kids out of trouble because, you know, most people would be down at the park, down at the Dirt Bowl. Right. So, okay. um, uh, so what do you think got away from it? Well, the thing that I, I think may have um, got away from it, um, but when we changed the format, and um, I wish we had a stuck with the double elimination, mm-hmm. but we didn't. But we changed the format, and uh, 1988, Howard um, Duncan and Black Magic, they won the Dirt Bowl. In 1989, Gil Clark did something that was very special, and that is why the Dirt Bowl came back. Okay. 1989, Gil Clark gave everybody uh, a red and black shirt to play in. Only thing about it is he put three numbers on the back of it. Why he put three numbers on the back of a shirt for basketball, I don't know. But it had three numbers on the back of those shirts. But anyway, he gave everybody a shirt to play in. Plus, the uh, price for a dirt bowl then was $25 mm-hmm. per team. So we got 24 very competitive teams to play Dirt Bowl that year. And that's when the Dirt Bowl began to come back. But let me say what else made the Dirt Bowl come back in 1989. There's five basketball players in the city. And if you ever went to watch some games at the Y at 10th and Chapman, right. 
you'll see a team called Add the App. And that featured Drew Gray, Keith Payton, Keith Floyd, Lil Latham, and Keith Bateman, right. and Kurt Robinson. That's them five They were the most hated basketball players in the city. Why is that? Oh man, they were talented. Okay. When you look at them at, the, at that team play, um, they really played as a team. Little Layton was the point guard, mm-hmm. bringing up to everybody up. Drew Gray and Keith Bateman shooting threes. Kurt Robinson driving to the basket. Keith Floyd rebounding and blocking shots. And everybody had their role about what they're going to do, and they never argued. Mm-hmm. So with that five that is what I've had everybody in the city hate. Dudes in Beach of Turtles, Southwood, Carter, Home, Park Hill. I go everywhere talking about them, and they would get mad and said, we're coming to Dirt Bowl to play. And everybody came to play, hoping to get a chance to beat them. And then in that time, uh, Daryl Anderson's running Rebels, mm-hmm. them two teams became the game after Jazz Festival every Sunday. You know, when Jazz Festival was on. Right. Because when you, before the Dirt Bowl started, you would do the schedule, right? Oh, yeah. So you would schedule. I late. made sure that I got that game scheduled. Oh, yeah. Make sure I did that every year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that game probably had a couple couple thousand. It was, it was always sold out. Yeah. Uh, even though uh, they couldn't seem to beat I mm-hmm. and uh, Daryl did a lot of great recruiting. He had he had some very, very talented ball players. You name it, Daryl Daryl's had them, mm-hmm. but they could not beat I Also, uh, my team, Straight Shooters Incorporated. Uh, we played uh, every year too. Okay. And uh, I beat them one time. Mm-hmm. And that was thanks to Kirk Robinson getting the third technical on the team, and we won the game. And that was the only time that uh, I beat them that Gerald uh, and Keith and Kirk did pay me that $20. Now, well, it was it, this was in 89 or 90? That was in the 90s. Okay. Uh, um, that year, I swear, that was the closest championship I ever had, man. I, I didn't want to talk about it. Now, who was on, <laughs> now, who was on your team that year? Uh, Al Smith, uh, June Bug, uh, Dirt tra- uh, Trainer, Big mm-hmm. uh, Game Trainer, that's mm-hmm. what I call him. Um, I'm going to do the rest of the football, man, a little short, dude. I can't think his name to save my life. I had a bunch of dudes that played with Shiny, uh, Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, we were good. And I swear, we was on our way to winning it, man. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get a, a little, uh, God, Sean Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, man, you get your, you're on your way to winning it, and then you get a ball player that suddenly get this grunted about playing time or feeling that he is the man on the team. And no question, on my team that year, uh, it was uh, June Blood. Mm-hmm. June Blood was uh, my spiritual leader. I mean, I told him to foul Kurt Robinson, man. You foul Kurt, Kurt got mad, got that technical call, you know, the game. <laughs> now, is. I would ask you, is, is eye to eye one of the most 
in your years since the 70s, is that one of the most talented teams that you've seen come through the dirt ball? Man, because uh, you've seen a lot I've of seen teams. a lot of talented yeah. teams, but I, I gotta give it up, man. No question, man. The, the East End, Gary Ware, East End teams were always talented, and mm -hmm. they did the same old pick and roll and go to the basket game or whatever. But it was a hard team to check, and his team played great defense, mm -hmm. and he had a bunch of talented basketball players. Um, also, I'd say that the East End, as a community, has won more Dirt Bowl championships than anybody else, including Jewel Park. Mm. Jewel Park has a few. Um, Newburgh has a few in the later, later years. Um, but in time, that was just a team to beat. Do you think... Now, me coming up in the 90s and watching a lot of teams, my opinion, one of the best teams that I've seen is probably Tim's Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls. Oh, and, yeah, with, with, with TB. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. Uh, and Deion Lee and Cephas. Yeah. Uh, Little Rich, but as far as playing against and actually see, well, I think one of the most talented teams was Cuz Out. Cuz Out, in my opinion, uh, is the uh, – no team that played dirt ball. No team. Not even when Griff and Bobby Turner was playing. No team drew the crowd that cussed out Drew. No team. And I tell you, um, when Dollar and won it, a uh, little uh, Grundy mm -hmm. that played for NC State, um, the man that's an artist, God, Lee. Man, I can't think of his name. Of that great team of cuts out, man. But uh, one thing I can say is that they did do when they won a the championship, they pulled a '64 Chevy convertible on the floor on the dirt bowl court, and a police and everybody was up there. So I stepped out there and I was going to tell them they got to move it. So when I stepped out to tell them they were going to have to move it, I thought the police were behind me. <laughs> And I looked back, I didn't see no police. And I said, well, if the police don't see nothing wrong with it, I ain't either. <laughs> so I, I let that go. But uh, they were the team that played the dirt bowl that drew the biggest crowd of any team to ever play dirt Right, because I remember when Cuz Dow would play. In the, be, in the heat. It could be 3 o'clock. In the heat. It could be 12 noon. Sold out. They sold out. They have the whole, whole port East End. So sold out. This was uh, 1997. So it was the first year playing in it. And uh, it was the first game. We were scheduled to play against Cuz Dow. So we're like, who's Cuz Dow? We don't know who Cuz Dow is. So we, we're warming up. Really, uh, we're warming Lawrence. up. Of course, they're running late. All you hear is this music coming around the corner. Remember, they they, they pulling up in trucks. Playing Master P, No Limit Soldier, they, and they they brought about three or four hundred people with them, and they came and that I'm saying we, so we played them. They and I think they end up beating us by about two or three. But that team that year, everybody followed that team. So this is before social media and Instagram and Facebook. When Cuz Dow played, um, like I said, whether it was twelve o'clock noon, three o'clock, eventually Cornhead had to move into the primetime games because they they deserved to play there. Right. They, they, they earned the right to play there. I was told not to let them play there, to keep them in the daytime. But I told them that 
they earned the right to play, and I wouldn't be in that rule for nothing in the world. And they um, end up playing against. Now I tell you, uh, when they beat uh, Relentless, mm -hmm. uh, oh man, come on, BJ McCoyle. Well, remember Relentless, BJ Levon Levon team. Remember they beat me. Ravon team beat me to, for the right to play them. Right, right. And they had uh, they had some talent on that team. Ravon them did, but man, they got blew out. Mm -hmm. I played Cubs out. Cubs out beat me by eight. Mm -hmm. They did not blow us out at all. But I don't know what got into a relentless, but uh, they didn't come to play. They beat them out. Oh man, it wasn't even close. Yeah, I remember uh, too. Cause that, I, I think they were one of the most talented teams. But now, from my experience, like I said, in the '90s, from seeing people, one of the most talented people to come through the dirt bowl. I remember Elton Scott. Yeah, he was cold. Yeah, when he, when he came through. He was uh, this was about in '96 or '97. He was uh, Kentucky Husker, Mr. Basketball. I'm not sure. If Do you they, remember Whitehead from over in Indiana? Yeah, I remember Whitehead, but I'm not sure. If Elvin Scott and them won it that year, or they lost to Grundy. Now. I remember he he they rolled through the regular season, but I don't know. If, I don't but, think they won it. I don't think they won. I think Grundy Park. I think maybe before Cuz down Grundy then was with Park Hill. I'm not sure. They beat Elvin Scott. And then let me ask you. So this was during the '90s, of course. In '99, is, is that the year that you left the Dirt Bowl? Well, no, I, I worked in '99. Okay. 2000 was the year that I didn't get back in the dirt bowl. Okay. And uh, um, what happened there was that, um, just a little history on that part of it. Um, in 99, um, there was a, a strong move by uh, then um, Paul Batha, and he was an alderman, and he had rallied the people in the community and they complained about the dirt bowl. So he had uh, enough people to, to uh, take his complaint to the Board of Aldermen. And when he took it to the Board of Aldermen, they sort of agreed with him and they were willing to uh, take the dirt bowl indoors or uh, take the dirt bowl to play it at different parts. We blacks don't pay attention to things like that when uh, the warning is being given out. So what were the complaints? Well, he said they said we were loud. Uh, they said we were playing music loud. They said we were taking uh, urination on their the yards and things of that nature. Uh, they made uh, the crowd that came to Dirt Bowl really and truthfully bad. And so, uh, with that kind of thing being said about people coming and watching Dirt Bowl, so it, it was sort of easy to try to stop it. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, the thing about it is that I didn't hear nothing about the meeting because it was sort of like hush hush, you know what I'm saying? And anyway, um, when I finally heard about it and I got a chance to attend one, then that was when uh, I was determined that I was gonna do whatever it took to keep the dirt ball in Shawnee Park. And um, 
I had a uh, autumn person that used to let me know when I need to get up there and debate Paul Baker, and I did that, and uh, I was successfully I won. I won, but just like I won, uh, I also lost. Ninety-nine, we won the right to keep the dirt bowl in Shiny Port. And I, I ran a dirt bowl that year. That year, BJ, the lady, she was over the dirt bowl for Metro Ports. The next year, Robert Roberts got the dirt bowl and not BJ. I could have had my record expunged, but I saw no need to have my record expunged when, when Dixie, the company that I worked for, knew it. Metro Parks knew it because you cannot work no job in drug court and not say where you work and then I'll check it out. Right. So everybody knew that I was in drug court. But when I signed up to work with Dirt Boy next year and Robert Roberts had it, uh, man, I was surprised. And I went to my interview with him and we didn't take hands. And, and you said, man, y'all didn't shake hands. And the reason why, we don't play many of basketball games in Port Kia. Mm -hmm. We have refereed together, football. And I just, just didn't know. And anyway, uh, my record, since I didn't get expunged, uh, it was a reason that they uh, used not to hire me. And then also uh, that year, they made uh, some swooping changes. Um, this the recreation team no longer gonna get in free, and um, that hurt when the recreation team were, were knocked out of it. What's, and, now explain what's the recreation team? Oh, uh, beach terrors. Uh, oh, the recs, the, the, the recreation yeah, centers around the city. Okay, yeah. but they knocked them. They used to get in for free. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When uh, they made rule changes on that, and they feel like uh, the people in the neighborhood should sponsor the teams. And sometimes uh, that just don't work. And um, that sort of killed that part of the dirt ball. So this was, now how many years were you gone from the dirt ball? I would say uh, about three. It was when, um, her name was Jackie Gordon, and she worked for Metro Ports. Uh, she came up to me uh, one day and talked to me and told me, Cornell, come on, man, we want you back. Because yeah, to me, in my opinion, when you left the dirt bowl and the rules changed, that's what kind of hurt it. I, 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 there's no question it hurt. I mean, it, it hurt me. I, I love the dirt bowl, man. But right. I just did not see a reason why I need to get my record expunged if you let me work before and you knew it. Right, right. Why was that so important? And then I look at the city workers. How many city workers you know that committed worse crimes than I did, and they working? So I, I, did, I didn't quite understand that at all. Because I felt like through the 90s, you know, that was the height. And then when you left, it was hard. The Durbo course wasn't the same because you're the staple. When people see you, they automatically Cornell Durbo. So when that staple is gone for however many years, I think it's hard to get that momentum back. And like I said, uh, um, when uh, Neil came in and Mary Fisher, they did a great job as far as uh, getting uh, the police down 
down there on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. That started that, and uh, truthfully, it was something that was needed. Um, Dirtball could never go on again, even now, without the police. There's no way. Why you say that when, you know, and I, I know things change and people change, but mostly in the 80s and 90s, you didn't need security, Man, but I guess it's people's attitudes have changed. It's, uh, when you look at the number of murders that's happening in and around, and around our city, uh, when you look at the attitude um, of these young men, and all these young men packing guns, mm -hmm. everybody's packing a gun. That was the worst thing that um, the governor, previous governor, did when he said it was okay to carry a gun as long as you got it showing. You got 14, 15 year old young men, I won't say that, that they're boys, right. but I won't say that, but you got them packing guns. And then um, our gang situation is changing. And um, I don't know, I, I'm just thankful that I'm blessed to be able to walk through any community and speak and keep going. Right, because it makes sense. You have you know, people who's playing ball who on one team may be affiliated with one game, and you got somebody on another team affiliated with another. But what I don't understand about these young men, man, is that um, why can't y'all see uh, your um, parents, your men parents, and see how the older men handle themselves mm -hmm. and how they go about going through these different areas of the city right. with a handshake and a smile and keep it moving. And uh, maybe once they might have had something against each other, but that's part of it is not now. And even then, when they had something against each other, it wasn't about going to get the gun to solve it. And that's what the biggest problem is, that uh, gun violence, man, is strictly it is out of hand. Right, because when we were coming up, the Dirt Bowl was a safe haven. It's where you went on Sundays to, of course, watch the game, see the girls, show off your outfits see the cars, and then around about 96, 97, 98, you can see it slowly starting to change. Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, to me, when I noticed a change in the culture was 94. Hmm. Um, 94 is when I first saw uh, the red and the blue, and I seen it be serious red and blue. Mm -hmm. uh, I was catching a, a bus home from work, and we was coming down Preston, and uh, some dudes uh, had on a blue, was sitting on the bus, and some dudes up at East End were getting off. And when them dudes got off the bus, uh, they threw something at them dudes that had the blue. And the bus driver had the nerve to get off and say something to them. Let them in. Come on. <laughs> I said, you better come on. And then I seen once at uh, 38th and Market, I seen a young girl have a, a red uh, blouse on, and I seen a dude pull pop on her red blouse. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's a blue. Mm -hmm. And I seen it go both ways. Um, and I think it's sad. I really do truthfully think it's sad. And then, you know, uh, you hear people say, man, that these young dudes, man, are, are punks. I don't think they are punk at all. 
Not at all. It takes a lot of nerve to shoot somebody. I don't care how you slice it. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of nerve. Uh, shooting somebody is not something I would want to do. Not at all. But this is the uh, mentality that these young men have. They don't care. And I tell you too, uh, another problem is that um, it's parenting. Uh, some of us as parents, man, we failing. And, and you know how I mean we failing, I put it to you real simple. <clears throat> My definition of a, a failure is when, <clears throat> excuse me, is when a parent has a child and you ask your child to be quiet. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, your child continue to talk. Mm -hmm. Now, let's do a little drifting. Let's say that was me and my mother or father asked me to be quiet and I continue to talk. I would get popped. I would get corrected. But you continue to tell the child to hush and be quiet and the child continues to talk. And this happens because, in my opinion, the child has been talking back to you since he or she was a young child. Now the child is 14 and 15 years old. If they've been doing that since they were five or six and they have been permitted then and you didn't stop it, now it's gonna be hard to correct it. And I say to you this, and it's a fact, that same child that talks like it to their mother and father is that same child that takes that same problem to school. Same problem to school. I applaud a child, uh, teenagers especially, they say, yes sir, no sir, and to me. And I tell them that. I tell them that that's gonna carry you a long way in life because in businesses, that's how business people talk. And they say, yes, sir, no, sir. Right. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I said, so if you continue to keep that thought in mind, it's gonna carry you a long way in life, especially when you try to get a job. Do you, man, let's pivot away from that. Uh, you've been doing dirt ball for how long? Since 1979. How long do you think you want to keep doing it? Like, is, is the, the the love still there, the passion oh, man, still there? It, it, man, people always uh, ask me if I'm going to be there, and I tell them that I'll be there. Uh, but all honesty, um, I'm thinking that uh, maybe no more than three to four years. And a couple of things that uh, I want to do before I get away from the day. And one of them that I said that uh, my friend Big Ben Watkins uh, film, mm -hmm. and I thought it wouldn't be a, a problem doing, but it's a little bigger problem than I thought. I would love to see the dirt ball play in a shirt with a picture of Ben Watkins. Okay. I, I would love to see that happen, and I'm going to try to make that happen. Now, for the people that don't know, explain who Ben Watkins is. Ben Watkins is uh, one of the founders of the Dirt Bowl. Okay. And I, when Ben Watkins would come in the park, and I recognize him, I always say, Ben Watkins, stand out from Phyllis Wheatley Elementary School. And I give him that because we went to Phyllis Wheatley. Okay. 
and I've known him for a long time in the Watkins family. But the bottom line is that uh, that's one of the things I want to do. And the second thing that I would like to do before I leave it is I guess that um, I would like also one year to play in uh, my shirt. And this shirt here is designed by Eugene Thomas. He's a heck of an artist. Normally I will say this award the last day, but for my man Joseph, <laughs> <laughs> as, as you can see, uh, it's not faded or nothing like that, right? Because it gets dry clean. You know, it don't get washed. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. It don't okay. get washed. It don't go up with none of that. Who, who designed it? Eugene Thomas. Shout out Eugene Thomas. Yeah, designer. Of course, he played for me. Played on my uh, midnight basketball league mm -hmm. team when we, when we got beat by uh, East End. <laughs> man, that hurt, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always then uh, went out to Shawnee High School basketball player, uh, um, Carl, Carl Edwards. Mm -hmm. uh, oh man, Sean uh, Moore. Moore, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Uh, Raymond McNary, mm -hmm. uh, another ball player played with him, man. I can't think of his name, but he was a starter for me. Okay. At first, he was not a starter. But one day, I had a five player that had a starter. He scored 25 points. Well, LaDon was it? No, nah, LaDon was always cold. Yeah, okay. LaDon okay. was always cold, man. Uh, yeah, come on, I can't call his name. But anyway, man, from that point on, he started mm -hmm. and he performed. So what do you think it'll take to make to put those plans into motion? Well, um, it'll take me to take uh, and plan early and start early, mm -hmm. trying to get that money together to get a uh, quality show. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but definitely, I want, that's what I want to do, and I, I, I owe that to. Uh, to the Watkins family, but I, I said, I, I thought it would have been no problem. I figured that uh, Big Ben should have been a, a, a no-brainer for that. Right. Um, but sometimes, I guess, uh, budget by the city right. and things of that nature. So, um, I, I live with that. Right. But I, I'm determined that that's one thing I, I gotta do. Well, let me ask you this. Um before we wrap up, I mean, before you you got on the mic, you know, you were Cornell Bradley. You know, mm -hmm. you ref, you played, and since then, you know, you'll always be connected to the dirt road. You know, which you know, people don't know you have a life outside of that. You much more. But so, are, are you okay? You know, when people see you, they think dirt road. They're saying, "I said bang," and you know, people want to talk to you, discuss the dirt road, and that. Almost your legacy will always be tied to the dirt ball. Well, I think that's a, a beautiful thing, and I, I won't lie to you. Um, the dirt ball made me as popular as any universal lure basketball player, uh, especially in the West End. We can walk down any street, and I guarantee you, just like they recognize that universal lure basketball player, they'll recognize me. Right. And then uh, places I go, people still recognize me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I appreciate that. I really do. But I, I will say this too about Universal Louisville basketball players. 
two of the classiest basketball players I ever met that played for University of Louisville is Mill Wagner and Billy Thompson. Mm. Alex Sanders, I met all of them, Rick Johnson, hang out with them too. But I, I'm telling you, um, the thing about Mill and Billy Thompson, a friend of mine named George Crusher invited them over to their house for dinner and they showed up. Mm. Invited to your house? Nah, I went to the <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Went, went to went to George Crutcher. Okay. And they showed friend, up. Friend, and they showed up, man. And I, I mean they were two class dudes, man. And I, I always will, man, when I uh, talk about some class well, you know the one week class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I got one of his shirts, man. Yeah. yeah, we played overseas, but you know what? It's too little. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, man. I feel like, uh, you know, you, you're my friend. Been my friend 26 years. You know, I used to work with Cornell. And uh, definitely, definitely a Louisville legend. I feel like we should honor our legends. Honor people just period while they're here. We always wait too late to give people their flowers. And everybody says give people their flowers. But I feel like, you know, who's actually doing it? So I called you up, like, Corn, I want to interview you because, you know, life is short. You know, we, we don't know, not even about tomorrow, we don't know what the next second brings. So I just wanted to do an interview to celebrate you, man, to tell you we appreciate you, man. We love you. Hopefully, we can get a statue or something down there. In the park. <laughs> I you know, I we just never, you know, I feel like if, I tell you, if I tell the you. right people want it. Well, let me tell you this, man. Okay. One person, man, that has always spoken up for something like that for me is Eugene Thomas. Eugene Thomas said, man, they should put a billboard out mm-hmm. for you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he has said that he thinks that I'm really worth something like that. Right. And artwork, Well, I feel like it should be a statue. I mean, his artwork shows it. You right. know what I'm saying? Even though I don't, I don't like the tongue like it. Man. But, you know, he did a great job. Right. Like, <laughs> I know they got they put your name on the court. I and mean, they got um, your, your picture up, but I feel like it, that right there was a. I, I look at that, and and, and I'll be honest, of all my years that I worked for Metro Port, mm-hmm. that is what they gave me. In other words, uh, I never received no form of a piece of paper. Right. That said, appreciate you, boo boo, until that happened, and uh, Ben Watkins got. Yeah, it's uh, titled for Verbo, Ben Watkins and Tim Carter Verbo right. and Cornell Bradley Court. Uh, I appreciate that mm-hmm. because uh, it's something that um, uh, recognition, everybody loves to be recognized. Right, that's right. And for me to finally get that, man, I think I think God for I think Marty, um, Neil, whoever else has something to do with that, mm-hmm. uh, Murph Fisher. Thank you, boy. Yeah, well, definitely uh, appreciate you, man. And whenever you decide to do this your last year at the Dirt Bowl, man, it would definitely. When I decided to be my last year, uh, I'm going to make that announcement the, uh, at the beginning of the season. Right. And I, I know that it's time for me to let it go. Right. It would definitely be a hard act to follow. You know, you, you, like you said, the Dirt Bowl has allowed you to meet thousands of people over the years, you know, 
the dirt you, you can't mention one without the other dirt bowl cornell bradley and i see people that people at cornell still down corn still down our corn so you one, one, one thing i want to say too man because uh, i know been censored and i if i if i was censored i, I quit but i want to say this too uh and it's a part of the dirt bowl at least in my opinion um i say this all the time about the city of louisville our city is blessed with some of the most beautiful women that you will ever see anywhere, mm -hmm. anywhere. And women, as you know, are they not a part of my show? Okay. They are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes some people may not understand this. Um, do you go to St. Stephen's? Mm -hmm. Do you know the, the deacons and the church? Uh, boy, she looks, she, looks, she still looks good. Right. I know, I know, uh, oh man, my, that's my daughter's uh, one of my best friends at Shawnee. They were Shawnee together. Okay. Anyway, she's a deaconess in Shawnee, at uh, St. Stephen's. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, she used to have uh, one or two kids, and she used to stand right there at the end of the court, right? Oh my God. And she looked good. You hear me? She looked good. So, this is what I would say. Golly, look at that girl right there. Man. And she would wear some shorts. Oh, man. Body by Fisher. You feel me? And I would say she got the total package. You know, back then, the wrestler yeah, right. was Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. I said she got the Lex Luthor package. You feel me? Now, now, now. After she had on, it was cold. And I said, I know you got that outfit at. She said, what? I said, Valley City. All right, so everybody laugh. Now, the point I make about this person here, she was the first person that I ever said anything about how nice she looked. You understand what I'm saying to you? The first person. And she was the only person that I said something like that to. Anyway, as it happened, one girl come up to me and said, Cornell, if you think that she looks good today, Wait till you see me tomorrow. I said, what? Said, Wait till you see me tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow came. Boy, that girl was sharp, and I gave her her props. Okay. From that, it has involved. And truthfully, a lot of women like the way I do that. Right. And then think like this. I have never, ever tried to touch one of those women. I have never went up to them, try to get a phone number, or have any kind of relationship with them whatsoever. I'm a married man. You know I'm married, Joe. <laughs> huh? You know, I know, yeah, I know. You know, I'm a married man, man. And, and I, I love my wife. You feel me? Shout out to Corn's wife. Yeah, I mean, shout out yeah. to baby. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know what, man? I'm going to say this, man. Let me going to throw this out. You feel me? Now, my wife thinks, man, that, that I played on her. But Joe, I never played on my wife. Thank y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a wrap, man. <laughs> <laughs>